intentional, tactical, and actionable information you can use to take your real estate investing business to the next level. This is REI Rocket Fuel. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the REI Rocket Fuel podcast. Today, I am joined by a very special guest, none other than investor, developer, and author, Nathan Brooks. Nathan, thank you so, 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 so much for taking time out of your day to join the podcast. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I'm glad we finally got it on the books. Me too, brother. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, it's a real pleasure to be hanging out with you today, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So I guess talk to the audience, I guess, about your business. What's your business look like? Um, I know I know, kind of surface level, all the different fingers that you've got your pots in, but I'm excited to hear really how deep that goes. And I'm sure the audience is as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I have uh, an Airbnb holding business. So we're actively, you know, buying and, and renovating and making beautiful these, you know, awesome Airbnb houses, mo mostly focused in the, in the luxury space, but we do do some that are, you know, more, you know, normal or average size. And then um, we have a development company where we are building and doing, you know, ground up stuff, both horizontal and vertical. And uh, so we do both multifamily and uh, single family. I have a uh, multifamily partners. So we take down like bigger multifamily stuff as well. And uh, that's really kind of the newest thing for me, but actively, you know, buying and looking for those. And then um, I also have a, a meetup, a Facebook group. We have just shy yeah. of 13,000 people. And uh, really it's just been a resource. And now we're really in the, in the process of now growing that to help more people have more education, more coaching yeah. and like actual, like quick start stuff for people. And, uh, and I just wrote a book. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> so talk to us about the book. You're the first author that we've had on the show. Talk to us about that. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, I just wrote a, wrote the book. It was published on January 10th, uh, with Morgan James, uh, publishing. And so, uh, I got the book right here. It's pretty cool to see. No quitters so. guide. No quitters guide. Real estate investing and building an extraordinary life. Yep. So I, you know, books have changed my life, and and uh, I think a lot of people, you know, trying to get started, like what what's a what's an inexpensive, high leverage opportunity, right? Like, what yeah. can I do to really get information and to, uh, you know, learn about something without spending a lot of money? And books, literally, I mean, they're an incredible resource. I and agree. I don't think. Yeah. Right. So in, in what high performer do you uh, know that doesn't spend time reading? Uh, I don't know any, I don't know any uh, either. Zero. Uh, so, you know, I was inspired to, uh, think about how can I create a book or how can I write a book that has not only the intention of helping people get rolling and, and, and be successful, but then also create a vision component within it that helps you think through not just the act of doing business, but the act of, of creating a life that uh, is served by that business and that you really enjoy that life and really enjoy those experiences. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so for those who don't know, and maybe this is new information to me as well, all of this, you know, your Airbnb, your development, you know, um, do you do any regular fix and flips or regular long-term holds up, like single family stuff or you're just doing multifamily holds? Yep. So for the last like so from 20, uh, 
15 to 2021-ish, we flipped about 700 houses. So we were- Gee, we were, 700 houses? Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, it's a few. Uh, it's a few. That's <laughs> yeah, more uh, than one. <laughs> yeah, it's more than one. It's it's a handful. Uh, so we were we were providing a turnkey product for investors all over the country and oh, and gotcha, okay. internationally. And so we bought them, renovated them, and sold them. We added almost fifty million dollars, give or take, to our our clients' portfolios. Um, but what I realized, Laden, was that I did it all for them, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and then and then you got picked once, and it was done. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and so I was tired of that. And I was also getting burned out, frankly, uh, having a big team, a huge overhead, yeah. you know, m- multiple six figures a month just to just to literally break even. Yeah. Just to keep the lights on, just to keep everybody yeah. on payroll, buy material, hold, yep. holding yeah. costs, carried interest, all of it. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, I've really been on this self-exploratory, you know, self-exploration journey of how can I be more in line with what I really want my life to look like, you know, as a dad, uh, as a husband, as a business owner, as a, you know, whatever the things, you know, I, I love to play music. I, I actually made my living as a musician first. That was, that was my first profession for like two decades. What? Yeah. 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 So in what bands, what instrument, like, would we know anything? Uh, you probably wouldn't know anything, but, uh, yeah, I play, I still play to this day, piano, bass, and guitar. I taught theory. I sing. Um, I, so yeah, I, I still play on a regular basis. Uh, I have a grand piano upstairs in my, and uh, I actually have a piano room at my house to, so. What? That's bad to the bone, man. That's way cool. Yeah. Okay, so we're joined today by real estate investor, developer, author, and musician extraordinaire and music theory teacher, Nathan Brooks. Sorry, let's talk the podcast over. That's right. <laughs> Is there anything else that you do that, like, how many hats uh, can you wear, man? Well, I am an avid or outdoorsman hunter. There we go. Uh, so that's something. Yeah, for real. Okay. Um, maybe six, eight weeks ago, I was in Idaho on a backcountry uh, hunt. So we were literally, they fly you in on a bush plane, like four guys yeah. jammed in like sardines and uh, drop they you off and- drop you off. We rode horses like six to 10 hours a day in the middle of nowhere, Idaho for, for seven days. So yeah, uh, I'm into that's that too. That's awesome. Yeah, I want to be the Renaissance man, bro. That like you go, (laughs) the Renaissance man with luxury real estate. Yes, there you go. Okay, (laughs) exactly. Uh, The real uh, estate's fancy. Nathan's not fancy. That's right. There you go. That's right. (laughs) I can be fancy if we need to be, but (laughs) if if I like have my choice, I'm you know out in the middle of nowhere, uh, slinging uh, slinging my rifle around and and uh, hanging out in the mountains. I love it. I love it. So. You did 700 fix and flips in six years. Yep. And most of those were to turnkey investors. Did you do any to retail buyers or was it all to turnkey investors? Yeah, we did do some stuff to retail. We did, you know, hold, and I personally held, you know, several dozen uh, rentals as well, but I never really, I never really took the time to keep holding them. And I, and I I really regret that, honestly, you know, it's a decision that I, I would, I would do differently. But, uh, you know, going forward now I'm focused on bigger deals that, that either are highly leveraged to make more money, like in one in single deals or, you know, that we can hold. So, you know, we're building and doing burr into like multi, you know, small multifamily 
uh, and then, you know, built up to, you know, 15 or 20 Airbnb units over the last couple of years as well. So that's really doing well. And it also has a much, much higher return yeah. you know, per unit than, than my single families have. Sure. And correct me if I'm wrong. All of this is in the Kansas city Metro. Um, I have the vast majority is Kansas city Metro. And then I also have some stuff in Texas. Oh, and, cool. We're out in Texas. Uh, uh, South, South, South Texas. It's, uh, it's called the Rio Grande Valley. Yeah. Okay, cool. And, um, lots of, lots of cool stuff going on down there. And then, uh, I'm also in the market by the way. So anybody listening, if you're in Scottsdale or you're in St. Pete, I'm in the market, uh, as well as a mountain house sometime this year. So those are the goal, either w- one in St. Pete or, 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 um, Scottsdale for luxury Airbnb and then, some sort of mountain house. You're speaking uh, my language. Scottsdale is uh, where I'm retiring. Scottsdale's my, it's paradise on earth. It's got the golf, the food, the mon- everything about Scottsdale is everything I want. So my wife and I, we're, that's that's where we're headed. I've got some connections with some agents and some investors down, down there that I just built up because I'm looking for the same thing. Um, love it. I will put you in touch. Maybe we can partner in on it. Dude, I'm I'm down. We already have a Airbnb uh, management that uh, is one of the partners, and they're awesome. And, and we're actively looking for that as well. So we should talk offline about that, bro. Let's do. Oh, sweet. Okay, let's wrap this podcast up so we can. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. That's Nathan Brooke. That's all you need to know. We got to talk about this house in Scottsdale. Bye. No, I'm kidding. Um, okay, so now we've got uh, somewhat intimate knowledge on your business. We know what you're doing these days. So you said you were a musician before. Yep. How on earth did you make the transition to real estate mogul? And why did you get out of that and into real estate? Great question. So, and I, I love music to this day, but I was having the realization that in order to make the level of income and support the lifestyle that I wanted to live, I really needed to start looking at other things. And I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like every other person that sure. seems yeah. to have gotten into this business, right? And uh, I just started to to like think about that and and take action. And and uh, one of the things I talk about all the time is imperfect action. I took a lot of imperfect action, and uh, I did a lot of deals that you know I really didn't understand fully what I was getting into. I didn't really have a clear buy box, but all that imperfect action really helped me. Uh, towards being able to take better action and more clear action and scale scale my business too. So uh, really there wasn't a whole lot of parallels other than literally playing music and and reading and dreaming and thinking about like, hey, how could I actually create this? And uh, so I took took action that way. That's awesome. Okay. So you just, you just, it was strictly an income thing. It was, you, know, you were, you know, maybe the, the musician career or the dream around it may have been kind of tailing to an end or, and it was just, okay, now what? Or it was strictly, I'm not making enough money. Well, you know, at at one point I was literally, so I both did secular and sacred stuff. So like in the bars till 3am and also in the church for the, you know, uh, simple version of that. And so I was literally at the largest United Methodist church in the U S as a worship leader doing like it was Christmas time and and we at all our campuses we'd have 36,000 people through our doors which is insane that's right that's nuts totally nuts and i was 
literally, I think it was, it was like four rehearsals and six services and, and right. two or three days. Right. And I'm flipping like seven houses by myself at the same time. <laughs> and I was like, all right, enough's enough. Right. I, right. So I can go do this and I see that the exit. And I, let me tell you, I was terrified. Sure. I was terrified, but I also could see the opportunity and, and I knew I had to just get after it. I love it. I love, yeah. I mean, anything worth doing, any venture worth leaping into or any any new discipline of any kind worth leaping into should be freaking terrifying. Yeah. If it's not, you're probably not thinking big enough or, <laughs> you know, too small, too comfortable. Uh, you know, there's a million different ways to dive into that. Uh, so from your first seven, from your first house to seven houses at once to 706 years, what's the biggest lesson you've learned or, or, and, or biggest mistake you've made along the way? Like what just really sticks out, sticks in your craw of like, oh, that deal or that decision, that hire, that whatever it was. Cause we've all got them. Yeah, we do. You know, I would say the one that I've contemplated the most recently is, and I, let, let's be clear, I've screwed up a lot of things many times, Sure, <laughs> right? So uh, it's not a matter of, we could, we could have a whole podcast uh, or a whole series on that one. But, um, you know, I think the one for me that showed up the most after working through as an author in a book, one of the things that really makes you think about like, why am I, what am I writing and why am I writing it? And what does it actually mean? And so I think as I was writing this book and and thinking about it, it was about have, being more purposeful in not just in business, but in anything that I do and making sure that the, there was an actual reason behind it. Not like, yeah. gosh, let's just go do more deals for the sake of doing more deals, but let's do them for the sake of really actually executing the goal that we laid out that was a purposeful goal and that that uh, meant something and so i'm i am still on a on a path right now and i'm still fired up about real estate if not more so than i have been in a long time because i now see more clearly than ever that i'm like i don't want to do deals that i either don't make a ton of money in one deal or i can buy it i like it right. uh I would live in it and I'm going to hold it for the next, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I've been thinking about. Do you ever wish there was a map for building a real estate investing business? Something that lays it all out for you. When to make your first hire, what systems to build and what roles to scale yourself out of. Well, you're in luck. My team and I have put together the REI roadmap, a step-by-step -step guide to building a real estate machine in your market. And the best part, it's totally free. Head over to our website and download your copy at reirocketfuel.com slash map. That's reirocketfuel.com slash M-A-P. I love it. I love it. Okay, sweet. So uh, we've, we've, we, we've talked about your business, the kind of properties that you're buying, where you're buying them in in building all of that, in all the mistakes along the way, all of the hurdles, all of the roadblocks, everything that could have, that did and could have stand, stand and stood in your way of right. getting there. Why have you and your team been so successful when so many others haven't? Because a 
a real estate business and really any business is simple in theory. It's right. like playing golf. You have to get this little ball on this huge fairway. How freaking hard could that be? It's 80 yards, 100 yards wide. You have to get this little ball three inches wide somewhere over there, anywhere on the short grass. And yet it is so difficult for so many people, sometimes myself included, depending on how many beers I've had. Yeah. uh, (laughs) uh, Why do you think you and your team have been successful when so many others haven't? Well, I'm going to use a golf analogy, okay? Perfect. So I just started playing golf. my language, Scottsdale, golf, Golf. bring it on, man. Let's bring it on. Uh, I just started playing golf, so I can't remember his name, but there was a Japanese man who won the Masters, I think, what, two years ago? Colin Morikawa. Yep. And I was literally sitting there, which I never watched golf, bro. I I don't know why I was watching golf. Uh, it was just a random Sunday. Because it's the Masters, that's why. <laughs> yeah, it must be, right? So I'm, I'm watching- I got the, the Masters Mas- green on right now. If you're listening and you're not watching, I got the Masters green row back on today. It's sharp. It's sharp. Uh, So I was watching that and I'm thinking, you know, like these guys are insane, but you know, I really didn't have a level of appreciation of like how good that you really had to be to do that. And forever I'd been putting it off because I obsess about everything. So if I'm going to play golf, I'm going to obsess about playing golf. Uh, And so I just, I was like, not, not now, not now, but there's something that day that was, was like, it's time. It's like the go time, man. And so literally I post on Facebook and I say, you know, what would you do clubs, whatever yeah. I get a bunch of people's suggestions. But what I end up doing is literally the next day I schedule an appointment to go get clubs fitted and I hire a coach. And when I think about the thing that, uh, and by the way, I shot this last year, I shot in 86 in my first full year. Well, played about a half a year winter played this whole last season. And so I was thrilled, you know, it was kind of a fluke. I haven't shot it, you know, (laughs) near that since, but, um, like low nineties with a, with a handful of mulligans. Um, but I think it's the same approach to business, which is we are going to continually be relentless. We're going to continually get better. We're going to continually work on the business. We're going to refine uh, the tools that we use. Uh, we're going to hire a great coach who understands what we're doing and and can see. Yeah, you know, I remember when I when I had the first couple lessons with my coach. He's like, "Let me see your, you know, let me see your swing." And I'm thinking, right. you know, great. This, you know, but I don't know how to swing. Yeah, and he's like, "Well, uh, that was pretty terrible. So we have a lot to work with." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and, and I, I, I like to win. Like I, I like to win. I like to be competitive in literally everything I do. And, but that was the thing is like, I kept showing up and I think for people it's so easy. And I'm reading the David Goggins, uh, recent, most recent book right now. Oh, uh-huh. So nothing like lighting a fire under you where I just, I just got done listening to the portion where he. He uh he he was running the Moab 240, which is 240 miles, bro. 240 miles. Uh, I've done a lot of crazy stuff. I've been in a cage fight. I've jumped out of airplanes. I've done triathlons. Uh, I cannot imagine 240 miles. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, you know, I'm just thinking like, 
you have to have perseverance to actually go through all the things, all the challenges, all the opportunities, all the distractions in order to get to the place of being successful. And it's the, yeah. it's the line like anything, simple, not easy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. Okay. Uh, I guess up next, talk to us about what you see. I mean, you've got your hands in so many different pots, the short-term game, the long-term game, the development game, the fix and flip game, different markets, a lot of different avenues. So you're going to be seeing it from pretty much all angles except the retail angle, unless I missed something. We've, um, we've done retail too. And and just a, I also do some coaching as well. And even like last week, I was in three time zones, four teams uh, in three states in five days. So I, hey! I, <laughs> so I get to see other other markets and other people operating too. So that, that sure. does help. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Do you see your strategies changing in the next six? Well, I, I guess let me leave with this. Where do you, where do you see the market going in the next six, six to 12 months? And yeah. second question, how do you think that's going to impact the, your current strategies and business model? Okay. Yeah. So current market and then business strategy. Yeah. So um, first of all, the market actually has had a bit of an uptick, Yeah, uh, which is- I've noticed that in Wichita. In Wichita. Great. Yeah. Well, and, and of course that's, that's interesting, right? You're in Wichita. I'm in Kansas city. We were both middle America yeah, markets. Yep. So we, we tend to see stuff later which is pretty interesting that we're seeing that. So the, my friends that are in like East coast, West coast, they've actually already had even, you know, a, a little bit longer period of, of uh, things getting a little better. Uh, it's so as far as my, the market goes, I think it's still softening some, but we have such a low inventory. I really, I don't foresee unless something really crazy changes that uh, we continue to have like a, a huge decline in prices. I think it's still going to be hard to get deals because there's not many out there. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're seeing, but you know, we're not seeing tons of great deals right now. Um, I think people who are already hurting will probably continue to hurt or have more trouble uh, just because the price of everything is still up. Inflation still sucks. Uh, cost of milk or cost of bread and eggs and all eggs, these things. Golly. Like, it's crazy, right? The carton of eggs is your proof of funds. I know it really is. It's like, <laughs> might as well show up with a chicken, man. At least it'll like keep kicking it out. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I really do believe that uh, if you were a person who was offensively minded and, and strategic, you can still do very well in this market right now. And I think it's people like, I do not want to be over my skis. I do not want to be going so hard because I am blindly, I want to be really, really thoughtful about um, what that is and protecting my downside. It, you know, in Tony Robbins' uh, Money Mastering the Game, he talks about uh, you know the the wealthiest people in the world. They are not just looking at what the upside is, but they're like, "What's my upside? But what's my downside protection?" So if I'm right. putting up X number of money, like what is where can I? What's the worst case? Can I break even out of this thing? Versus like have a huge loss. So, right. and that's something I've had to learn the hard way a number of times, which is not fun. Uh, but that's what I'm thinking about a lot. And then second, 
Uh, well, anything you want to hit on, on, on the market? Uh, no, I mean, that's the, that's, that's, I, I share the same sentiment here in Wichita. I think there's an important distinction to understand that in Wichita, what we've seen is we, I don't think that we're going to see prices drop. I think what we are going to see and what have already seen is that the rate at which prices rise is going to drop or stagnate. Because, I mean, over the last, I don't know, seven, eight, 10 years, maybe in the Wichita market, appraisals and appraisers have have just have just kept the value so low, like have just held it and suppressed it in Wichita. Hmm. And then the last two years, we kind of caught back up with that last eight to 10 years worth of value suppression. And then it looked like hockey stick. But really, all we were doing was catching up with the rest of the world. And everyone that I've talked to kind of in the Midwest, save for Texas, which isn't really the Midwest, they, and it's it's also not really the South. Texas is Texas. Uh, right. And anybody from Texas will tell you that Texas is Texas. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I've seen and heard from a lot of people in the Midwest that we're like, and and from other markets like you have, they were already experiencing that like consistent year over year, 15, 20, 30% rise year over year. Wichita yeah. had like a 35, 38% rise like that. And everybody's like, oh, it's not sustainable. It's crazy. And they're right. And it's such an important distinction. You know, there's like, so we got a retail brokerage in town as well that had I'm an owner in. So I see the investment side and like the retail consumer side as well. And I see them both on a daily basis. And it was kind of a joke for a while. Like we had to teach agents that we had hired that had only been in the business for a year or two, like, okay, a price reduction is what you do when you have to lower the price on your listing that hasn't sold because they'd never had to freaking do it. And it was half joking, half like, this is this is the reality. And so many right. people, especially what I think in, and like what I can speak with on or with authority on is in Wichita and the metro surrounding is so much of uh, what we're seeing now is 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 just that catching back up with where we should have been keeping up with everyone else and it hit us hard and now i think we're going to level off do i think it's going to get a little worse before it gets better sure but it's not yeah. like we're like it's not like we saw 35% last year and we're going to see negative 20% this year do i think we'll drop two or three, five percent at the worst, probably. Um, but it's like you you from an investment side and from a retail side on both hands, you cannot go back in time and buy that dream house or buy that great deal, yeah. depending on which side of the coin that we're looking at. There's always going to be an opportunity. There's always going to be a different product. There's going to be a different bank that wants to come in and earn some business. There's always going to be an opportunity to lower your monthly payment, to lower your interest rate, to refinance. It might be six months. It might be 18 months. It might be two years, three, four. No one knows. But 
what is for damn sure is you cannot go back in time and have locked that deal down. So that you can't, you, you can't miss on the can't miss opportunities. I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. And, you know, I, I'm being more strategic. I'm being more careful on my underwriting, but sure, sure. I'm still pulling trigger on deals that make sense. Right. And, right. And, uh, and I think that any savvy investor that is thinking about buying, you know, you should be more careful. We want to make sure if there's an incremental, you know, continued, uh, decrease of value. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's keep track of it, but let's also not keep that, that from, uh, from us making good deals and good decisions and being on offense. Right. So right. you and I are on the same page business strategy wise. I actually have changed uh, just not like this moment, but you know, we, we dramatically reduced the size of our business over the last, you know, 18 months, just in the, in the spirit of this same problem, like, what do I want my life to look like? How do I want to spend my time in my business? What are the things I'm really good at? And so, you know, we were, you know, building and renovating a ton of of deals and we have drastically reduced our team and drastically reduced uh, the number of deals we're doing. And in the spirit of like, hey, I want to do less deals, better deals, bigger deals and hold. And so it doesn't take nearly the staff to do that. And I've also had a lot of success on that joint venture side sure. and bringing the things that I'm good at to the things that other people are good at. And so, you know, my business strategy is literally exactly how I laid it out. One of my favorite parts of any of our rehabs is countertop day. When those finishing touches go on, it finally starts to look like a house, not just a construction zone. But finding a reliable, efficient and cost effective vendor was always a challenge for me. Luckily, my guys over at Countertop Concepts have incredible packages they've put together with the investor in mind. Not only do they have two quartz options at 40 bucks a square foot, two granite options at 35 bucks a square foot, they guarantee a one week turnaround from templating to install. Not to mention their cabinet selection with more colors, styles, and options than any of the big box stores I've seen. And best of all, on top of the incredible prices and selection, they're offering 60-day payment terms exclusive to our listeners. Just tell them that Lawton sent you. Don't sacrifice quality, time, or price with Countertop Concepts. Give my guys a call today at 316 316- 440-7415 or visit them online at www.countertop-concepts.com. Okay. So talk to us about that. So talk to us about, you know, downsizing or uh, removing the certain departments in your business. Talk to us about the people that, you know, were involved in that. Talk to us about what led to that decision. How long did you waver? Like you say that your business runs and is now exactly how you laid it out. How did you lay it out? How did you arrive to decide how you wanted to lay it out? How many times did it change? Give us all the details, walk through that journey. Cause I know I'm curious about all of that. And I'm, I, I know there's people in our audience that would love to hear more details about that. We got the 30,000 foot view of it. I want to get in the weeds with you on this. Great question. I, I've, no one's asked me that. So it's pretty cool. Um, well, first of all, you know, we had been pondering this for a long time and between the renovation side and the new construction side, and I don't come from, you know, a history of builders. I don't, you know, as I said, I, I was, you know, poor musician <laughs> and, uh, teaching piano lessons, playing in bars, you know, 
playing, singing and leading worship in churches. And, and, uh, and I love that. Right. But, um, so when I started getting into the real estate, I was like bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, like, how are we going to grow next year? And how are we going to, you know, do we double in size? And a couple of the years, you know, early on, we did, you know, nearly double the size, uh, from year to year. And what I, what I never really took, took stock of was a, I was starting to make less money doing more deals and B I was just getting super burned out you know, is kicking my ass. And I was frustrated with the experience I was having actually in the business. And so my partner and I kept talking and we started to kind of fantasize almost about like, gosh, what would it look like if we, you know, X, Y, Z, what would it look like if we didn't, you know, fix and flip a house anymore? What if it would look like if we, um, you know, did less deals or had a lower, you know, overhead or whatever. And so we actually brought somebody in to help us work through those questions and oh, cool. And start to say like, okay, like let's talk through this in a logical fashion. And of course I'm a feeling guy. I'm in a visionary. I like to like, I make a decision. I already think it's done, but this is one of those where you can't do that. Right. You, you right. have to literally live through this question, live through this problem and, and make sure we're making a, a, a conscious decision. And so we ultimately decided to shut down the entire uh, renovation and, and fix and flip department. So we were, you know, we had a huge construction department. We had acquisitions department. We had sales department. And uh, is one of those things, you know, and I, <clears throat> I distinctly remember because not only did we make a decision, but then we had a conversation with our then COO. And she and I were talking about that and the realization that not only did you make a choice, but uh, about a business, but you also made a choice about people. Right. And so then there's conversations with those, those people as we let them go. And my COO and I sat there for two days firing people, uh, which sucked, you know, I have, you know, lots of tears, lots of frustration, uh, kind of with, with the situation of, of feeling like feeling bad for them, but also, you know, we helped get most of those people jobs within a week or two. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I always want to do the right thing. And to this day, I'm still, you know, friends with, with the majority of those people that uh, we did business with and, uh, or that were on our team. But, uh, then you had the wind down of all those assets that were in there. And I, I don't remember exactly. It was August of 21. And I think we own like 54 houses or something. Uh, All under renovation. Yeah. Well, freaking A. It was, it was a big, big business uh, at this moment. And, uh, and what I started to realize was my team had been like kicking the can down the road with a number of these projects. Like, oh, this one's going to be bad because in real, in the realization was I wasn't as good of a leader as I thought I was being. And I wasn't as in tune with my business as I thought I was. I've made and, that exact mistake last year of, and actually in the exact same department of the fix and flip, um, where it was, you know, I, it was running on its own and I was like, sweet, we're killing it. Like everything is fine. We're leaving the closing table with money. Every yep. time we are like, we got, we have the Midas freaking gold touch. Dude, this, I am, I'm on my way to an early retirement. We are chilling and yep. P&L's at the end of the year. And I was like, we, what, yeah. how did, how did, how did no one, how did no one step in? I didn't have any of the checks and balances in place. 
I signed all the checks. I made all the decisions. Everything ran through me and I wasn't the guy to do it. And we've subsequently made changes and we're actually turning consistent profits on multiples at once. And it's like, oh, wow, what a novel freaking idea. Yeah, let's let's do all this work and not make money. It's yeah, it's, uh, like like man, I could have sat on, I could have sat on the couch at home and not risked a dollar to yep. make zero dollars. Yeah, okay. Sorry it's, to interrupt, but I like that. Whew, no, that that struck a chord with me. I we 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 just got on the other side of that a couple months ago of digging out of 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 everything. There was some 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 lack of accountability too much control in the contractor's hands and nothing here. If I got an invoice, I signed a check. I mean, I was like, cool, great. That's fine. Like, I trust you guys. It's all good. Right. And uh, you, know, you can't have the fox watch the hen house. So that was a... Uh, that no, was you cannot. Definitely lesson learned there. That's a tough one. It's a hard lesson. And and we just decided, like, I didn't love it. Uh, I love doing rehabs, but I love doing them on, like, a big awesome yeah. house that like I have one going right now. It's 160 K and one house, bro, but it's a banging house. It's an awesome location. And we're, we're going to hold it. City. Like what's the, um, uh, what's the neighborhood? I'm, I'm kind of familiar with Casey. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's very near the new streetcar, uh, in the midtown oh, area. Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, uh, and we've really strategically just been thoughtful of like, okay, where are we buying? We want to bring value, cool location, cool house, cool vibe, you know, cool furniture, all that stuff. So, you know, just, just being really strategic, but I, in that like production and nothing against your business or anybody else who's built, you know, a, a fix and flip machine. I just know for me, I was done with it. Sure. So. Well, after we just, 700 houses, I mean, especially if you're still the one involved in running that even at the highest level, 700 houses, that takes a toll. It does. It's a bunch. And and, and there was some brain damage with that. Oh, and I think, God. I can't imagine. Know, yeah. It's, it's a chunk, right? And and I know people, like I said, who are still doing that, you know, or even more, you know, 10 times that even, I know, I know people in thousands in a year, but it's not, it just wasn't something that I was like, this is not sustainable for me. Right. And uh, I was introduced to a term, uh, the, the desired end state and that desired end state has to be sustainable over time for you to be successful with it. Right. And so, you know, we continue to downsize and we had focused on, on new construction and the more and more and more deals I've done on the joint venture side now, the more I realize I'm like, I can have the tiniest of team. So just a couple people now, I can make more money. I can serve those people better. And then it gives me more time both on the coaching front, which I love. And, uh, and so making an impact in other people's businesses and also, you know, helping in the meetup that I had started in, in, in Kansas city. And, you know, we were regularly having 100, 150 people show up a, a month at this event, but I never really got it sustainable where it was actually making money and it was, it was able to really take it to the next level. So I'm spending a lot more time working on that where, Hey, it'll make money. Sure. But we'll also get to serve and help a lot more people, which I realized was way more of a passion for me than it was slinging a bunch of more houses. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, 
it's it's like buying a rental in a not so desirable area. Yes. Lower rents, lower quality tenant. You you you've you've got to measure it in cash flow and headaches and you've got to find the balance between the two that works for you. And yes. you know the you know the cash flow of Palippin 700 houses a year assumably you would think but I know from experience not at 700 but at you know, whatever our number is yeah it, the cash flow can be good but the headaches are high and it's a constant turn it's a constant hunt for that next deal exactly uh, i the 700 in 5 years is bananas it was that's it insane. was that's insane <laughs> Like, yeah. like I look back on probably the 100, 120 that we've done in up about the same time frame, five-ish years. So 20-ish a year, some more, some less. Yeah. Um, God, that really puts 700 in perspective. Good for you, man. That's nuts. Anyway. Well, it was, you know, in one hand, it's like, it, it, it taught me probably faster than what I've learned uh, what I wanted, you know, and it also you do it again. No, no, no. Uh, if, if I had to do it again and I was doing that, I wouldn't have sold them. You know, I would have, I would have kept my, my inventory or I'd have kept my, my business overhead lower and I would have structured the way that our team was paid in a way that they got to have some upside in those houses. Yeah. And we would have just held, you know, the vast majority of everything. Yeah. So that's, that's how I would look at it again. Uh, cause it's 140, 150 million ish, uh, in real estate in real estate. Yeah. And, um, so, but you know, it, it's a live and learn thing and, it, and sure. it's okay. Yeah, no. And that's the thing I was talking to, to my director of operations a couple weeks ago about it, a week ago, I think. And I was like, man, like think if we would have held on to half, half uh, of the ones that we sold, like, Yep. We we aren't chasing down deals as 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 crazy and balls to the wall as we are right now. But we're young. We got time. Like there's like there's and it's it's a lesson learned. Like I would have rather learned this lesson at 25 than in 10 or 20 years at 45 when I've got a way bigger business. And it's like, God, like I'm I'm happy that I learned the things I did when I did. Were they mistakes? And did they still hurt? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. but you know, now I like, now we're, we're, we are strategically making that pivot in our business to not get out of the fix and flip, but to only fix and flip and sell off the ones that are like huge swings of cash, 30, 40, 50, like big profit yeah. ones. If we're talking about another 12, 15, $18,000 one. I, God, I would just assume hang on to it. Agreed. I couldn't so, agree more. Yeah. The clean, easy ones, like let's just put them in the in the in the hopper. We'll hold them, and then everything. You know, the big ones we can take a big swing on. Right. You know, and we had our first seven figure exit on on a single deal this past year. And oh, let's talk about that. All right. That's, that's not on. That's not on my podcast agenda. But maybe I should add it. I mean, I need to get more people people on the show that have a have a seven figure deal. Tell up. Uh, Break that deal down for us. Yeah. So it was uh, originally we were going to actually do the horizontal uh, construction and then go vertical on it. But we decided uh, amongst the partners, this timing in the market and everything. So we had, we had bought the ground. I think it was around 20 acres and we did the in development. 
Uh, it's in Texas. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, so we 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 did all the infrastructure, you know, curbs, electrical, sewers, uh, power, all that, and street <laughs> street lights, uh, the whole deal. And so we ended up selling those uh, in. And oh, doing with the plans, literally just finished lots. Uh, so it was literally the first time it was just ground, just finished lots. And out of the out of the deal, the partners, you know, made well over well over a million dollars. Um, so uh, it was one of those things where it was the first realization I had that we could do a single deal that had a higher opportunity. You know, we still utilize the leverage of the of the resources and and people, uh, and process that we understood, right? So un- understood how to do that. We could do it in one deal. We could utilize our fund to help you know our investors who uh, they're in there and invested in earning a return on their money, and so we get to use that to help uh, helps them, helps us, and helps our our partners in the deal. So it's pretty wild. That is insane. One deal, seven figures. That's yep. that's not, and it was just infrastructure, just infrastructure. Yep. Okay. So when you find the next one of those that you think you're just going to put the infrastructure into, holler at me. I'd love to put some money in that deal. <laughs> it, they're good, aren't they? It's holy moly. Yeah. It's 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 really interesting when you start to look at like, okay, you know, we're working on ones now. We're you know, hey, we can build this, you know group of of properties and have a million dollars in equity in one deal. And so how do we, how do we just do that? Or one that has 2 million or 5 million in equity. And the other interesting thing is sometimes when you actually get into those bigger deals, they're actually easier than the smaller deals. Yeah, The banks like them, the banks sure. like, you know, something of structure. They like, they, they're, they're, um, underwriters like that because they have lots of coverage with lots of different rents. And so, uh, yeah, it's been a really interesting learning, learning experience for sure. That is incredible, man. That is a hell of a deal. <laughs> I'm a good so one. glad that you brought that up. Oh, thank you. That's insane, man. Congrats on that. Congrats to you and your partners and good luck on all your other ones on that. I, I thank can't you. wait to hear about the next one. That's, that's insane. We have another one rolling now. And, um, also in Texas, also in Texas and, and uh, yeah, lot, lots of opportunity. And, it, you know, I think if people are listening to this or, you know, thinking about this is like, what am I really good at? And, you know, I'm not good at putting in those gutters, but I'm good at understanding, bringing together people and putting together deals that make sense and creating synergies. And so when I started living more and more and more in my personal genius zone, I was having more fun and we as a company and as partners were making more money. And so, you know, I encourage people to just think about that. Like, am I living in my genius? Am I doing what I love? And uh, of course, every day I don't get to do everything that you know sure. is the best. I'm not on the golf course, you know, <laughs> uh, but it's more in alignment, right? It's more in alignment with what I want to do in my life and more in alignment with what I'm naturally good at and the things I enjoy doing. That's awesome, man. That's way cool. Thank you. So wrapping up what would be your best piece of advice to a a a new a newbie investor they've they've made the decision to buy their first deal or they've already got it and they're and they're they're working on it they've made the decision to get into it or they just got started into it what's the best piece of advice you'd give them yeah have a vision for what you want when you go into it 
So create that thing. Like, what does this look like when it's built? Begin with so the I, end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. And number two is have, have patience and perseverance because you're going to have obstacles and those are normal. Anybody successful you see, they have struggles, they have trouble, yeah. they have things that don't work out. Believe me, you and I just talked about it, right? We both had these experiences. Yeah. Uh, and people look at both of us and say, hey, you guys are super successful. And some days I'm like, I suck. Yeah. I <laughs> I, I really suck at this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've done tens and tens and tens and tens, hundreds of, hundreds of millions of dollars in real estate, right? So yeah. um, it it's okay. And then number three is, uh, I love the line, uh, everything is nothing and the one thing is everything. And pick a strategy, pick something that you're going to go after and master it. And and it doesn't mean that you see a business like yours or business like mine where we have you know multiple things that are going on, but you don't see the five years or 10 years I spent figuring it out. Right. And, and I'm not going to say I was always perfect at this either, but I recognize now that by having a, a focus on one thing until you can have it up and running and it run without you or, or run, you know, the vast majority without you, then that's where your focus needs to be in that a time and attention, uh, a focus on one thing with the end in mind with perseverance will always create what you want over time. I love it. I love well freaking said, man. Well thank said, you. Nathan, thank you again for joining us today. Uh, if anybody from our audience wants to email you, find you on social media, how can they do it? Absolutely. Well, I'm going to to uh, shamelessly plug this this uh, sweet book one more time. Yeah, yeah but, the No Quitters Guide. Yep, it's available anywhere books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Target. Um, you can go buy it. Uh, if you do and you, it does something for you, I just ask for people to leave a review. It makes a huge difference as we're getting this book out. And um, and then social media is the best for me. Uh, make it real simple, at Nathan Brooks, R-E-I. And uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, soon to be the website and everything uh, will Sweet. also all be that. That's awesome. That's awesome, yes. man. Nathan, thank you again. Thank you so much. Um, looking forward to seeing if we can't make something happen in Scottsdale together, man. Oh, believe me, you speak my language on let's, that, dude. Let's 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 get after it, man. I'm pumped now. Okay, well, man, thank you very much again for joining us today. Uh, we'll we'll holler at you later. Catch you next time. Later, man. Later. Thanks for listening to this episode of REI Rocket Fuel. For even more content, follow us on social media or head over to www.reirocketfuel.com.